This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne. And this is an independent England supporters podcast. Well, it looks like things are beginning to loosen up a little. The Premier League, well, they've given themselves the green light. Project Restart appears to be starting on the 17th of June. Obviously, though, without us as spectators in the grounds. And the Championship due to start a few days later on the 20th. My own personal opinion... Is that people we're going to be all we're going to be all over it to start with, much like the Bundesliga. Then realise quite quickly, without fans, football just isn't the same. Remember Croatia and Rijeka a few years back. Still not convinced the return of it though is quite essential at the moment, and I've pretty much considered it a closed season. And regarding international football, still no concrete news on the likes of the Nations League, or indeed as and when we, as fans, will be considered to safely return to stadiums. And whilst I'm not generally keen on watching reruns of games on the telly, I must say the BBC and ITV have done really well, reliving the old England games, particularly ITV with the whole Euro 96 tournament. Well done, nice one. In fact, watching it gave me pangs for the old Wembley. And as some of you on Twitter and Facebook may have seen, I spent a socially distanced birthday out at the site of where the rubble from the old stadium now lies and then went on a wild goose chase to find an old flagpole base. All good fun, although I'm not sure my uh, my wife and my daughter will say the same. But the sun shone, that's the main thing. As I say, the pictures were there on Twitter, at Three Lions Podcast. As always, thank you very much for all your feedback on the recent episodes. I've had some very kind comments of late, which have really helped me stay motivated, knowing that you've enjoyed the content that I do. I do just try not to whack these out willy-nilly. I do try and give it as much time and effort that I possibly can, which can take a little bit of time with the editing side of things. And we are fast approaching the 100th episode, so I guess I must be doing something right. So once again, thank you. Thank you very much. Now, a few weeks back, I was fortunate enough to speak with the BBC Five Live commentator, John Murray. Now, having a bit of radio experience myself, although not so much in the commentating capacity, I was really excited to have this opportunity to speak with someone who I regularly listen to on the radio. Now, some of you may not recognise the name, but I guarantee once you hear him, you'll know who I mean. In fact, I was speaking with someone after the interview and mentioned him, and the person said his voice is chocolate, and I couldn't agree more. He was very accommodating with his time, to which I thank him very much for. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at BBC John Murray. This is our chat, where we talk football, England, and spilling tea. I'd like 
right, so welcome to the Three Lions podcast, one of the one of the main voices of the BBC's Football Five live coverage. Please welcome to the show, John Murray. Hello there. Hello, Russell. Very nice to be with you. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's a uh, it's a pleasure. Someone I uh, someone I listen to often on the radio on a Saturday well, afternoon. They keep they keep us busy. Although <laughs> obviously that's not the case at the moment, but uh, but but yeah, it's. Uh, you know, normally, particularly at this time of the year, you, you, you know, you're, you're herring here, there and everywhere. So it's, so it's, you know, from that point of view, obviously, you know, people have more, much more greater concerns than, than I have at the moment from that point of view. But, you know, stretching ahead, we thought we'd be at the Euros this summer. You know, that's all changed as well. So, so it's been a dr- dramatically different 2020 in a sporting sense to, uh, to what we expected. Absolutely. And as I say, some you are someone I listen to, and this is a, an England podcast, and it seems a little bit odd for me to say this, but but I don't listen to you when England are playing because obviously I'm going to the games. But every every Saturday afternoon or, or sometimes during the week, then I, I do listen to your, to the sound of you commentating on the games. Do you, do you know what? On, on a similar sort of theme, people will always ask me about... Uh, tournaments and how it was in England when tournaments have been played and I always say to them well in all honesty I've done this job now for such a long time and gone to tournament after tournament that I've actually not experienced what it's like when England are playing in a tournament when I've been in England since Euro 96 so, so every so every tournament since then, I've been I've been away at the tournament and and seen all of the pictures and heard what it's like, particularly when England have done well, you know, obviously in, in Russia last time. Um, so that was that is something that when it does eventually happen, I'm really looking forward to being in the country when England play whenever we get to play Euro 2020. Yes, well, well, let's hope so. Be it. Yeah, next year Euro twenty twenty one, but but oddly called Euro twenty twenty. This still yeah, that's right. <laughs> very strange. Um, well, take us back to the beginning. How um, how did you come about being a commentator to then being with, with the BBC and and being one of the mainstays? Well, it was something uh, that I always had my eye on to work in sports journalism, and you know when I was at school probably in my, I'll tell you what did actually have a big influence on me. And you know, I came from a big uh, sporting family. And, you, you know, when I was at school, played stacks of sports. And actually at my middle school, my headmaster there was, was a really big football fan, sports fan. And he actually set up to take us to Wembley, which was in 1979 for, for an England-Wales home international okay and that was for me that was wow so and that was like that was the first big football match i actually went to i think i'm right in saying certainly it's certainly it had you know a massive impact on me so that was so that was right back at the start of my football watching memories and and things like that we went again the next year you know that just really made my interest in sport and football and, and wanting to be involved snowball at that formative age. So, you know, that's that's what I was looking at. I was looking down that direction. 
got some great advice, great careers advice at university. I mean, I was a you know as well as playing lots of sport, I also listened, watched to you know so much growing up. And in actual fact, my career as advisor at university said, "Have you ever thought about radio journalism?" And and I thought, "Yeah, that's do you know what? That's exactly what I would like to do." And uh, applied and applied and applied and got onto a radio journalism course, and that was the important step. I did that, and then from there went went straight into local radio and then into national radio and national media so um so that's that's how it, how it worked for me and over the course of that moved from moved from mainly mainly news when i first started out and a bit of sport to more and more sport to all sport and then moved to london's where i was doing all sport and then and then began to uh, concentrate on football when I started off uh, as as one of the, um, the the commentary team at Radio Sport in the mid to late 90s. And, uh, and even though I do odds of other sports as well, which I like, I love the variety of doing that, I spent you know, 90% of my, my working year, 90, 95% on football. So, um, so that's how it works. So, I mean, as a as a youngster, when you thought, okay, this is what sort of a, something I enjoy doing, did you ever sort of commentate in your head or did you turn the telly down or something like so, that? So, I think just the same as everyone else, really. You know, you would commentate and uh, uh, I, I would I would I would listen so carefully to to other commentators and and uh, how they work, what I liked, what I didn't like. And, that, you know, it, same same as everyone, I think, same as any any. any kids who are interested in in football i mean we all do it don't we and, and as i always say whenever i'm talking to people who have aspirations of, of getting into sports journalism and are asking about broadcasting we all say you know commentary commentary really is you know when you when you reduce it and bring it down you know it is the very basic say what you see and and i think that um I think that most people are actually capable of doing that, particularly in the increasingly media savvy age that, that that we live in now. And once you get the opportunity to do it, it's about putting the layers on top of that and and making it uh, making it better and better and better, or trying to make it better, and then all the various other aspects that that come into it. But the actual basic commentary is is, is very like you do when you're playing in the playground with with your mates at school, which which everyone does. Yeah. Well, I funny as you say, anyone could could do it. I I did have a go um, a, a good few years ago. There was a company or a, a guy called I think he's Alan March, Alan March Sports, um, who I think does it for visually impaired people. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and I think he predominantly does swimming, um, but he'd done a course close to me just to uh, see how it is. And and of course, I went there thinking, oh, I'll have a go be great to do a bit of football or maybe I could try a bit of rugby. And he started off with the, um, one of the boat races at the Olympics. So I'm, I sit there and there must be about half a dozen of us there. And I thought, right, I'm going to get into this. And because the boats are ready and he goes, okay, so say what you see. And I'm, I'm ready to go because I've heard other people going like a hundred miles an hour and the boat just hadn't moved yet. And I was like, Okay, I've, I've said what I can see, but I don't know what else. And there's so many sort of levels to sort of commentary yeah. as well. Um, I'll tell you what they do with us, Russell, as well, because um, when it comes to the, the big sort of state events, quite often the sports commentators are, are drafted in to help out with that. So I've done a couple of you know big royal occasions. I've done wow. uh, William and Kate's wedding. I I was commentating on for part of the route of the procession. Okay. The jubilee, the last jubilee I did. 
Um, so that's another that's another sort of string to the bow that we have. But it comes back to, as you say, that's because that's what we do is actually just dis- describe things that are happening, whether it's sporting or or otherwise. And I love doing that sort of thing because yeah. it's a, it's a it's a different sort of challenge, really. But I know what you mean. I know what you mean in terms of when you get stuck in there. But you know. <laughs> Bear in mind, you know this is this is my this is what I do. I do it. Yes. I do it two or three times a week, virtually every week of the year. So it's it it becomes second nature to you. Is there a difference between radio and TV? Yes, definitely. And I think very often people in production in in TV and radio, you know, do think that it it's not dramatically different. And it is a strange thing to say because you are still commentating on a football match. But while that is the case, and there are many, many similarities, and obviously you're you're trying to, um, you're talking about a football match that you're watching. It's different enough to just make it, it make your brain think about it. And I think it's often as well down to the individual as well. I think some people are actually very good at switching between one and the other i find that i'm working to a different set of principles when i'm doing radio to how i'm to how it is on tv and there are other things as well so in terms of the principles obviously on the radio you are you do need to paint a picture and and explain to the listener what's happening what the score is where the ball is what the players look like all things that you don't need to do on the tv on tv you're trying to put a caption. I always think of it as if as if you're watching a photograph, a snapshot that's happening, a bit like in the newspaper, you'd see in the newspaper, and you're trying to put the caption underneath it. So you're trying to find the words to you know put, put a you know give a give a rounded version of what it is that you are seeing in front of you while at the same time obviously on tv it's still very important to get the identify identification right i just feel as well with radio obviously it's more intimate you are naturally talking most of the time although you know silence can be a great tool in radio but for the most point you are talking all of the time and also there's a natural um, engagement when it's a commentary match between your summariser who's sitting right next to you, whereas on TV very often when I when I do it, which is you know a handful of times a year for match of the day, which are for for highlights obviously in the evening, yeah. you, you're on your own. So from suddenly from commentating, when you have someone and you have that natural feeling of having a conversation about what it is you're watching, suddenly on TV I very often get the feeling that. I'm sitting here talking to myself <laughs> and it just feels, and it still feels really odd. And also with TV, naturally you do leave gaps. So goal scored, Ray, goal scored, you say something, you naturally leave a gap and then that's dangerous because that means you've got a little bit of thinking time there, <laughs> which you don't have on the radio. So the radio is obviously coming, all coming out very naturally. On the TV, suddenly you think, oh, thinking what am i going to say next sort of thing so um so so yeah so it's it's different it's different enough and i've never been in the position actually i don't think where i've done a live match on the tv i think that's right right insane so so i've not had that opportunity on tv to work to do a live match or to work with a summarizer which which you know is much more natural so 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 yes is the answer it is it's the same but it's very very different yeah 
Well, let's go on to England, uh, as this is a, an England podcast. I know you've got you've got big feelings for England. You enjoy doing it. Um, when did it all begin on on the England front for you? Well, as I say, as a as a follower of England from from a young kid, and and international football was a big deal for me, as as I think it is, you know, for for so many kids. But I think as well from the era that I was growing up, which was in the seventies and the eighties, it was at that time where there were relatively few live matches on the television, and and so the tournaments were a massive deal because it it was like going from famine to feast. <laughs> when, when the tournaments came around and it was as it is now suddenly it was all there and you were able to watch it all so so the the world cups were were a big big influence on my interest in football and particularly growing up in the 70s you know i sort of missed missed out the england england at the world cup only came into being for me in 82 so I was uh, the first World Cup I was all over was nineteen seventy eight, and following Scotland wow. avidly at that World Cup. <laughs> yeah, and, and strangely enough, during the course of this lockdown, as everyone's been doing clearing out and trying to sift through shelves, I came across my Panini sticker books and my my football seventy eight. Oh Panini wow! Sticker book, which is almost almost full. I was only missed a handful of those. So. Um, so there was that. As I say, the first first big match that I went to was an England international. So I've I've always had a, a real feeling for international football. So for me to now get the opportunity, as I do in my job, first of all, to be able to go and cover the, the big tournaments, the World Cup, European Championship, that was that was huge for me. That for me is the is the pinnacle really of 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 what I do as a football commentator, and so. As I progressed as a as a commentator at Five Live, I would occasionally get the opportunity to to commentate on England games. At that time, Mike Ingham and Alan Green would be the would be the pair who covered England, certainly at tournaments, but occasionally one or other wouldn't be available for for whatever England game. So I, I got quite a number of opportunities actually uh, to do that. And then when Mike stepped down. After Brazil in 2014, then I stepped up and was was one of the the regular England voices from that point on. So, so I've been I've been with them game in game out. I think I, the only one I've missed, I think, since then is the um, third place playoff in uh, St Petersburg. Because, okay, because we were getting ready for the, the final the next day. So we and Dennis actually went and covered that one. For us. so that's the so that's the only one I've missed. So I've seen it. I've seen I've seen it. Um, been pretty close to it for the last since twenty fourteen six years. Yeah, amazing. I mean, how how does it all work? I don't, I don't want to get into the ins and outs of the BBC, but but what what how, how does your day go with England? Yes. Well, if we are covering England, the FA will give us a, a schedule of events that will be taking place over the course of, say it's, a, say it's a, a pair of qualifying matches, we'll, we'll have quite a, an established schedule of what's happening when, when the, when the squad announcement is. So Gareth Southgate will, will do a, a media session when the squad's announced. And then the following week, usually the, the squad will get together. There'll be, a, there'll be one or two media days. In the build-up to the first match, 
which will generally involve us either going to St George's Park or to Wembley or both usually if it's a if it's a home match and then obviously the match coverage uh, on the day of the game very often then the next day will be free then there'll be more interviews on the day before the next game and then we'll obviously have the match coverage and as well as that you know all of the various commitments that we will have on BBC Radio, on whether it's on Five Live, whether it's on Radio Four, breakfast time, the programmes in the evening, so it tends to be quite an intensive period. All, almost always, when England play, I'll be I'll be asked to go on to breakfast and talk about England the following morning as well. So, so over a course of a week or eight days or so, it is it is really quite full on, as well as all of the preparation that you'll be doing as well. Um, for the matches, we, we usually get an opportunity as well to go on the day before the, the match is played to hear what the opposition have got to say and watch them train um, and talk to the people who regularly follow them. So, um, so there's quite a lot in it. I, I you know, but I, I, you know, I love it. I, I really look forward to those those weeks. Which, I, I, one of the phrases I, you'll never hear me use on the radio is to talk about an international break because it's not a break at all for us. It's actually it actually often is more busy for us covering the uh, the international matches than than it is when you when you're doing the the, the regular club games. Oh, actually, something I was going to get onto is about the the difference between the Premier League and internationals. But I'll get onto that in a moment. But I was just going to also say when you're talking about the opposition, the last game that obviously England had was away in Kosovo right, and was yeah. a was a fantastic atmosphere. Yeah. It was a Amazing really great place. Yeah, yeah, fabulous. There, uh, players. Okay, a few of them are us. Um, we're aware of, but some of them were a little unknown. It must take quite a lot of research and and looking into to to even pronounce some of the names, um, let alone find out their background and just little bits of snippets about those players. Yeah. And who tends to be very, very useful there is our opposite numbers. And, I mean, I got to know a guy called Arben, who is the TV... Have you crossed paths with him? Yes, he, yeah. he was kind enough to come on. That's right, yes. Yeah, yeah. a lovely chap. And I met him in Southampton, actually. It was Southampton, wasn't it? The first game, that, that, that amazing first match between yeah. someone like that is is absolutely invaluable. Certainly, with, you know, from a very basic point of view, the pronunciations um, they will they will you know we we all help out one another in 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 that sense. Also, now I think we're in a fortunate position. Very often, when you do an international team, whoever it is these days, generally there'll be there'll be two or three maybe in the opposition team at least who you will know anyway because you'll have seen them somewhere along the line. Whether it's in in you know whether they play over here or whether you've seen them in European competition, and also there's so much footage available uh, now that you can you can see all of that. I mean, all of the all of the highlights certainly of the of the of the Euro matches, uh, the qualifiers are available, so you get the chance to see the the players. So you've got a bit of an idea. So it's a lot easier, I think, than it was from my forerunners. In that, you know, if you think back to World Cups in the in the eighties, that that very often those commentators would be turning up without without the the aids that we have now to to see footage and and would be would be 
to a large extent, going blind when they saw these teams for the first time. So, um, so, so very different, and, and certainly not as not as tricky as it once was. But um, still, sh- throws up the throws up the odd challenge. I think particularly when you when you see England play against some of the minnows, really, then then you get an idea when when that sort of footage is quite thin on the ground, and in actual fact. Not a great deal of information is available about those players, even now. If you're talking about Liechtenstein or where else have we been recently? Some of the real minnows, you know, when you go to um, San Marino, for example, that sort of thing. So, yeah. I mean, who who would have been if you had a hero? Did you have anyone you looked up to or aspired to be like? What football or in commentary? Commentary. In commentary, um, all of them really. Um, Brian Moore, John Motson, certainly Barry Davis, big fan of Barry Davis, uh, Radio Sense. I mean, I listened, as I was saying to you, Russell, I mean, I listened to so much. So I'd, I'd listened to Brian Butler, Peter Jones, and, you know, even even later, you know, I, w- I would listen to Mike Ingham, Alan Green before I ever met them and started working with them. People like John Champion, Peter Drury. I mean, you know, they've all, they've all become like colleagues. These these people, um, Jonathan Ledyard. I always remember listening to Rob Hawthorne. Uh, oh gosh, Ron Jones was a big influence over me as well. Another former colleague of mine. Um, people like Alan Parry, Ian Dark. I mean, you know, I mean, all these people who I used to, who many of many of them, I, I grew up listening to, and and now you know count as colleagues and friends. So you will be in as a commentator, you'll be influenced by by so many of the voices that you hear, and and now of course there are so many commentators that um, you know. I think. It's. I think it's sometimes difficult to make your make your own way right. now because there are so many different influences, and you will always you will hear it. You know, it's only natural that you will pick up habits and and ways of the of the people that you work with. I mean, you know, people like Clive Chilsley, um, Martin Tyler, who, who are always incredibly helpful whenever you, you know. I've, well, you know, when I was sort of emerging, they would. I think that tends to be the way within the the commentating community that uh, that people do help one another out. Like our TV guys, Guy Mowbray, Steve Wilson, uh, the rest of the guys. You know, there's there's quite a close association between us all. Something that you did mention earlier, like your your co-commentators, or or what are they called? Co-commentators or sub co-commentators, um, summarizers? Call them like, we tend to call them summarizers. BBC Radio. We just have always called them summarizers, so that's that's a, a phrase, a word that is uh, that uh, has you know lasted until the current uh, so until the current time. Am I right in saying that? Is it Chris Waddle? Is your, your Chris general? Waddle? Yeah, Chris is often on with us. Um, certainly with England, Chris. Yes, Chris has done. A, I've done a lot of England with with Chris over the years. Who else have I done England? I mean, Jimmy Armfield did many England games with us. Um, we've had a we've had a variety. Chris Sutton has recently started doing England as well, uh, but certainly Chris is the one I've, I've worked with with England um, more often. What's, than not. what's it like to have a an ex professional alongside you? Do, do they give a different perspective to to things and and a different angle on, on how they see things? Yeah, and um, generally the standard of of uh, whether it's an ex player ex manager or both uh, 
that we have with us, working with us, we, you know, I would pay tribute to the, the choices that we make because, you know, very often they end up doing it over a long period of time and almost become broadcasters in their own right. People like, for instance, Mark Lawrenson, who you know worked with many, many times over the years. Mark has worked in in broadcasting and the media for for much longer than he did when he was in enjoying his playing career, and 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 so therefore they do as well pick up a sort of journalistic broadcasters nous as well. They know they know when it, what the they know when when to say it, what to say. They know that we're not looking for them to repeat what we say. We're looking for original thoughts from them, yeah. and they they are, you know, they are they are consummate professionals in in doing that. I always remember Graham Taylor, of course, with England. We worked for many years, Graham, and Graham always struck me as being someone who because he'd been a manager for so many years and had been in that position when certainly as England manager and, and in his club jobs, that he knows that people hang on his words. And whenever anything whenever anything vaguely controversial would happen, I always thought Graham's clicked into action here because he knows that what he says about whatever this incident is, he knows that this could potentially be picked up and used his quotes could be used, and he would all he just naturally have that switch that meant that he that he he knew the sort of areas that he could talk about, and he knew that if he was going to criticise someone, that it would have to be well reasoned because of the potential comeback that there would be on it. Ah. No, I, I was fortunate enough to meet um, Graham in Ukraine in in 2012, and he was a lovely man. Yeah, um, great guy. Uh, but Chris Waddle as well. I, I do enjoy hearing Chris Waddle's side of things um, when when he's alongside yourself for for Premier League games. Yeah. Um, Terry well, Butcher, we, Terry Butcher uh, has worked with us a lot over the years as well. And you know, absolutely, you wouldn't find anyone more committed to England than Terry. You know, from, mm. obviously, as it bleeds but, for us. You know, but yeah, but quite apart from that, you know, he absolutely lives it. And if England get it, if we do a game with England and. And England get the result, then you know Terry is Terry is Terry's as chuffed to bits about that. I think as anyone I work with as a as a summariser. I mean, I remember when I remember when we did the friendly in Berlin when England won three two, which was a yes. great game actually. Terry was with us that night, and you know with his own personal history against the the Germans for England going back to to nineteen ninety. You know, Terry was. I remember particularly that night. Terry absolutely loved it. Oh, great. And just something we we did mention a, a little while ago, um, commentating on England and on the, the Premier League, is, is there a difference there? Is you doing obviously Premier League or, or the FA Cup maybe week in, week out, and then and then this international break, which you, you say comes along. Are there differences in, in the way you sort of take to them, approach them? Yeah, um, because very often they, they are quite different sorts of matches, actually. Um, in that, you know, there can be, England matches can be quite uncompetitive. Mm. You know, I've seen, I've seen quite a lot of that in the qualifying 
matches that I've seen under Roy Hodgson and under Gareth Southgate when England have absolutely breezed it, and and it's become it's become very one sided. Um, so they are they are different sorts of matches, and that's why personally I found that the Nations League, which I had great reservations about, was actually quite a breath of fresh air from yeah. from from our point of view. You know, and I think I think many supporters felt oh, the same way as well. The suddenly, you know, you have these com- these really competitive England internationals when norm- when we would be used at that time of year, having um, maybe one sided qualifying matches. Um, so yes, there's a slightly different approach from that point of view. I think psychologically as well, um, with England, certainly when England were doing well at the World Cup, um, I found myself feeling quite differently as a commentator than I than I generally do because, you know, I am English and I was covering England at the World Cup for the first time this this last time in in Moscow in Russia and obviously they did well, so. I always, as a BBC commentator, as a broadcaster, you know, you want to be, you want to be impartial, but also conscious of the fact that for a match like that, most of the people who will be listening to us on the BBC will be wanting England to do well. So you've got to find a balance there. And also, you know, it's an emo- there's an, emo- an emotional side about that, that you have to, I've found when it's England, try and manage mm. As well as as well as everything, as well as trying to describe what's happening, find the right words, put across the 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 right mood and atmosphere of what's happening. So certainly the penalty shootout in Moscow against uh, Colombia was a yeah, was yeah. Uh, was quite a challenge from that point of view. Were you nervous? I was more excited. Uh, also for that game, did have Chris Waddle sitting next to me. So oh, so 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 Chris, obviously with his history um, yeah. with with penalties in England. The fact that Gareth Southgate's down there, you know, and, and Gareth Southgate, you know, the times have been pretty good for, for England under him. Yeah. So, you know, we've had a, a good relationship with him. He has, he's made it very different to, to, to follow England over the course of the last few years. Yet, uh, and, you know, everyone remembers what the mood was like around England going into that World Cup. There was much more goodwill than normal. And they'd reached where they had, and then suddenly it was all coming to the to a point with that penalty shootout where it could end here. All of that could end here, and I'm going to have to describe it. Chris is saying next to me, Gareth Southgate, who obviously had you know missed the penalty Euro '96 when England went out. I'm going to have to go downstairs and talk to Gareth Southgate about how England have lost on penalties again, and it was it was intense from a from a you know from a from within the context of doing what we do it was probably as intense a position that i've I've been in before because of all of that but also that kind of emotional investment that was there as well which i don't have for 99 percent of the matches that i commentate on so i've i've listened to you obviously post england games sort of pre-England games, um, when you do talk to to Gareth Southgate and, and various members of the team, it, and having spoken to Gareth myself, he's you, you've got a, a good relationship with him, it, it comes across. Well, I think most people do have a good relationship with him because he's, uh, he's, genuinely, he's genuinely easy to get on with. And as I say, for the most part, 
things have gone pretty well for England under the time that that he's been in charge. The 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 things that he's had to deal with have been the all of the issues. I mean, some of the issues that he's had to deal with. You you kind of get to the stage where I remember saying to him, I remember saying to him once, you you must be thinking, what what is going to happen next? What am I? What, you know, what whatever next? Am I going to have to deal with? So that that's been, I think, the most challenging side of things has been has been asking the questions about the various issues that have come up, whether it happens to be, you know, racism obviously has been something that's come up repeatedly um, and, and has gone from bad to worse, you know, whether you think of, of um, Montenegro and then, of course, when we got to Sofia, but, all the, you know, the various other issues, what we're going through at the moment. I mean, last time I spoke to him, I was talking to him about coronavirus at the, um, at the Nations League draw in Amsterdam um, just a few weeks ago. Um, so... What I would say about him is that he does have an extraordinary way of, of finding the right words to talk ab- about this. So I think that as well has garnered him a great deal of, of goodwill. And, um, you know, from, from his and England's point of view, you know, let's hope that that is able to continue for as long as possible. But, ge- but generally, I mean, I, I enjoyed working with Roy Hodgson as well, who was always also very, very good to deal with pre-post-match. But um, but 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 Gareth Southgate has been um, has been a, a dream, really. I, you know, I would have to say, from a from a media point of view, to deal with Gareth is uh, is is very very good. Well, something you, you mentioned there um, was was Montenegro, and, and one of my questions was going to be um, one of what, what's maybe the oddest commentary position you've maybe been to and I say that because I remember going to Montenegro and and being tucked away in the corner of the stand and looking down I think it was actually the press um, area rather than the commentary area was just a little covered area with a couple of desks in it Um, and I thought that must be a really hard environment to to professionally work Um, and and which is why I came on to maybe asking you what what's some of the strangest environments you've worked within I like the uh, the small grounds. So so actually, Podgorica was was pretty good, and we were actually in Podgorica. I remember we were on the second tier. So I've been there. I've been there two or three times actually over the years, um, and it's pretty. It, it it is pretty good there. And where we were, as long as you as long as you are relatively central at a good height and relatively close. So I quite like the I quite like the small grounds and. Yeah. And it's actually a challenge of commentating in that uh, in the time that I've done this over the course of the the years, very often commentary positions are are getting further and further and further away, which which puts quite a pressure on um, the identification. Basically, just try, seeing seeing what it is that's happening and and who it is that's doing it. Is that so, with the Sort of the advent of new grounds. Yeah, new grounds, as many of the big international grounds as well, have lots of space between the pitch and the stands. And then if you have gently sloping stands, and if they then put you, the commentators, towards the back of those stands, you can be a long, long way away. I remember Soccer City, I don't know whether you went there in South Africa, that was a long way away. I remember Vienna, actually, the... um, Ernst Happel Stadium, which had been rebuilt uh, at Euro 2012, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was a long way away. Um, that would have been 2008, wouldn't it? 
Uh, sorry, you're a Tottenham. Not, not wanting yeah. to correct you, but no, <laughs> yeah, right, absolutely right. Uh, that was a long way away. Uh, uh, where we um, Brazil, many of the stadiums in Brazil were a long way away. So, so that's what I. That's the that's the big challenge. Um, I, I found more than strange positions these days. Maybe in my early days, you did get some strange positions. Uh, you know, I remember going to places like Villarreal in the Champions League, where you end up down one end of the stadium behind a pillar, and you've got to sort of peer out from behind mm-hmm. there. You tend you tend not to get that so much these days, although you never quite know what you're going to find when you when you go to some of the more unlikely outposts. But I mean. Kosovo, for example, great little setup in in Kosovo, so um, so we had no problems there. Yeah. Uh, one thing I I wanted to ask: you have a fear of maybe losing your voice. How do you, do you prepare in that sort of way? In, in sort of the same well, way ha- that a singer would do. Yeah. Well, that's ha- that has happened a couple of times actually. Okay. Uh, I've lost my voice, um, and in in. I mean, for, for, for a long, long time at BBC Radio, we would actually send two commentators to the matches. So you do uh, 22 and a half minutes. With I always felt that a bit strange. Yeah, well, you see, I really, I always loved it. I, I always loved it. And we actually, we still do it with England. We still do it with England. So I will cover the England games with Ian Dennis. And then we'll have a summariser as well, maybe two summarisers, depending on, on what the match is. And I really like that that set up for a variety of reasons being that uh from a listening point of view i always used to love it because you knew that you knew that you're always less than 20 minutes away from from getting another voice another viewpoint another you know view on on how the game was developing um so that i liked it from a variety point of view as a listener and i and i love it as a commentator because you do get the opportunity to to take stock for half of a half and have a look and have a think and have a listen to what what your colleague is saying so so it's it's not an issue if you've got another commentator so on the it's happened to me before when there was another commentator there um it's obviously more of an issue as as happened during the i think it was the season before last the FA Cup semi-finals my voice went my voice went towards the end of the game on the first day and i was doing the next day and really struggled on the second day so um so so yeah it's in your it, it's in it's in your mind certainly but um it's a it's a it's a rarity that that uh, when when that happens yeah I did see there's other little things that I've seen that happen in the commentary box. I saw that you spilled a cup of tea on yourself during yeah, one game, Brentford, didn't you? <laughs> Sunday, uh, a cup of coffee at Brentford. I don't know whether you've ever been in uh, well Griffin Park, which hasn't which hasn't got long to go now, has it? Do you know what? I, I me and my friend, um, it was one of the grounds that we haven't been to. Uh, I'm not saying I've been to, to a huge amount, but we we bought tickets to go to Griffin Park in the fact that it was its last season, and and we'll never get that chance. Yeah, I've still got the ticket, but yeah. I can't go. What a shame! Because it's a yeah. that is a great little ground that, and but the commentary position is very very tight. We sit there and it had like leaning bench. The benches slightly lean towards you, and we were jammed in. I had the all the kit in front of me, my pad, and I remember the producer George got me a cup of coffee at half time, and it was a big cup of coffee, and I just put it on. I put it on the top. And I remember thinking, is that going to stay there? Is that going to stay there? It had been too hot to have really drunk, to have mm. drunk too much out of. And then, of course, we start 
and I must have just leaned into the bench and then the next thing I knew it, it just poured right down it was almost like a funnel down into into my lap and uh, it was um, it was quite hot still so uh, but it wasn't by the end of the game Ouch, <laughs> yeah I bet <laughs> Well, I mean, are there any sort of anecdotes that you could share with us from from just being with the England setup? Anything that sort of makes you smile or, or you think have been important in your time? I think, uh, I mean, that 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 quarter final, uh, this, I beg your pardon, the, the last sixteen game in uh, in Moscow was was a real. That's right up there of all of the experiences that I've had. You know, whether it's international, whether it's England or not. Just everything around that game. That was a great commentary position, by the way. Right. We were we were we were in quite low and quite central, so we had a great view. And actually, the penalties took place towards our end as okay. well. So, so you know, when that 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 was at least a, a big help. I think you know when you talk about my experiences with, with England, what I would say is that tournament was. I, I saw the um, the film about Bobby Robson just before that tournament, you know, and, and to yeah. those of us of a certain age, that Italian ninety tournament was, you know, you know, such fond memories of uh, of watching that and what England were able to do in nineteen nineteen. I remember watching that beforehand uh, in the build up to that World Cup, and you know, seeing everything that went around it and England's progression and getting through to a, to a World Cup semi final with a chance of getting into the final, and then winning. And then myself covering England in Russia, it felt almost like it felt almost like as that tournament progressed that I was living out what I remembered from 1990 and what I what I'd only recently watched. And as as it went on, you know that that building feeling of how far can England go in this tournament, and also finding myself commentating on the matches, and then. Like as I say, going downstairs, talking to the England manager about the team qualifying for a World Cup semi-final, and I remember in the Luzhniki in the semi-final after the first half, and England were winning at half-time. And I remember at half-time thinking, they are going to win this. They're going to win this game, and on Sunday, we're going to be commentating on England in the World Cup final. <laughs> And uh, yeah, clearly, obviously, yeah. it didn't work out that way. But the whole package, if you know what I mean, being being involved in that, and almost thinking like going back to the Bobby Robson film, thinking, I feel like I'm now I'm, I've now been transported into that film. And if I watch a documentary about this in twenty years' time, there's every chance that I'll be that there's me ah. there. You know, just that's I think gives you a in a nutshell well not so much in a nutshell gives you an idea of what a thrill it can be doing the job that we do and getting a chance to be so close to to um to to something like that so 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 yeah that's the that's the mem- and you know contrasting that to euro 2016 and seeing england knocked out by iceland you know was very very different um, so even in the, even in the two tournaments that I've covered England, you know, to have two such huge contrasts like that are um, are, are great memories in different ways. Yeah, 
Uh, for anyone that hasn't seen that Bobby Robson film, it's a uh, wonderful film to, is, to see. Yeah. Um, John, th- thank you very much for your time there. And, and let's hope that, that come next year, we can just go that step further um, and you really can be in, in the hot seat in, in the final. Yeah, well, uh, I think that um, you know, I think genuinely we were we were quite positive, weren't we, about yeah. what England might be capable of this summer. Certainly, if they'd been able to to replicate the the form that they were shown towards the end of last year in those matches, when uh, you know, almost game after game, I have to say, I was sitting there thinking Eng- England would give pretty much any team a game at the moment. So. Um, so we'll see. Who knows? Who knows? Who'll be informed? What'll have happened by the time we we eventually get to the next tournament? So we'll just have to wait and find out. But um, but 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 yeah, let's uh, let's hope it comes back sooner rather than later. Yes. Well, I, uh, I look forward to to hearing you again uh, on the radio. Hopefully, very soon. Good stuff. Thanks, Russell. Really enjoyed that one. Real privilege, and I hope you did too. Once again, thanks to John there for his time. I look forward to hearing him on the radio very soon. And I know it won't be an entirely new experience for him, as I know he was behind the microphone for that time in Rijeka in Croatia for the game behind closed doors. As always, thank you for listening and your kind comments. As always, please do spread the word. We're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast. And I've got some more episodes coming up. I know, the month of June. I was anticipating it being a real busy one. Pods from all over Europe. What with the European Championships due to have been played? In fact, about this time, I should have been doing one, reflecting back on our trip to Austria for that friendly. Ah, dear. Shouldn't think too much about it. We'll do it all again next year. Anyway, as I say, more episodes coming your way this month. So please do stay subscribed and, of course, stay safe too. So until the next time, cheers. <laughs>